Hello, you are now listening to the South Path Podcast. Be warned, there is... Oh no, I forgot what was in there. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Child abuse and what? Okay, so trigger warning, rape, sexual assault and child abuse. Okay. okay. So if you can handle any of those, you're welcome to click off and listen to something more pacifying, I guess. I'll just say like you can click off. Yeah, yeah you can click yeah. off and no listen and yeah and i think we'll add the bible verse so you can keep your sanity after this <laughs> so or should we just put that in the description box yeah in the description or wherever you find it you can just you know click on it and read some word of god okay <laughs> so there you go so hi Amar, how are you today i'm fine i'm good yeah same i'm just i was a little bit nervous this whole time because okay now I'm, I'm a lot more calmer because yeah yeah but this is our first podcast and i was so excited i was so excited and um this case mm-hmm. is going to be quite intense so please um yeah i don't know do what you need to do okay sit down with your <laughs> snacks or whatnot okay. <laughs> after this watch something funny yeah so yeah we're ready i'm gonna drop you right into the middle of a kind of like a scenario okay Okay. so in the night of the 15th of june 1991 there was a man called paul bernardo and he was just kind of like going around um kind of just going around to looking for license plates to steal okay so he did (laughs) yeah why are you stealing license plates he was involved with some illegal work but i'm gonna tell you about that later yeah oh okay okay so he's looking for license plates to steal when he spotted a girl called Leslie Mahati. She was 14 years old and she was actually locked out of her home because she had missed her curfew. So um, she was kind of just hanging out, not knowing where to go. Um, her parents, I think, were asleep. They didn't open her, open her door. I think they were asleep since she missed her curfew. They just locked the door. And mm. Bernardo, he decided to approach her and then she asked for a for a cigarette okay so Bernardo then walked her over to his car where he blindfolded her and then forced her into the car and then oh, no. drive away yeah don't Imagine... go to strangers cars guys exactly. oh my gosh <laughs> this actually um oh my goodness what was I gonna say I'm gonna cut this bit out but yeah um this happened and he actually drove away to his home and then called his girlfriend whose name was Carla, and mm-hmm. informed her that they have a new playmate. So he referred to Leslie, 14-year-old Leslie, as a playmate. And he was a full-on grown oh adult, as Carla was. So they brought her back home, and then they just humiliated her, sexually abused her. And while throughout this whole process, they were playing Bob Marley and David Bowie in the background while this was happening they were just and i believe this was also videotaped so you're talking about two adults with a really intense and violent sexual desires and decided to abduct a 14 year old to do things with so um paul claims that carla was the one that killed her but then carla says that paul is the one that strangled her so we don't really know which one is saying the truth, but we're going to leave our thoughts to the end of the podcast. No. Yeah, so 
they decided to decided to put her body initially in the basement, but then they dismembered her and then encased into cement and then dumped her in Lake uh, Gibson. So this is taking place in Canada. Wow. And yeah, that's, so that's, that's crazy. Yeah, I know it's it's really it's it gets really disgusting. So it's just it's just gross. By the way, the pieces of cement that they encased and threw in the lake, not all of them are floating because some of them are like quite lighter. So um, they actually went to the river shore, and they when they were dis- they were then discovered on June 29th, nineteen ninety one, by a son and a father that were just fishing so that would have been quite a traumatic situation to just see body parts encased mm-hmm. in cement but those were discovered and yeah so let's actually let's actually talk about who these two people are okay, okay. by the by the title you already know that we're going to be talking about the ken and barbie case ken and barbie killers okay mm-hmm. i actually don't like this title <laughs> that, they, that was given to them because they've been called that because if you look at them, they are a fairly attractive couple, I guess. I mean, they both had blonde hair and blue eyes, so people just associated with that, associated that with like Ken and Bobby. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it kind of, I don't like it because it's kind of complimenting them. And mm. you don't want to be complimenting yeah, a killer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I don't think titles should be given to killers because you're giving them the attention that they want you know yeah. but that's just me <laughs> okay so let's go and dig into their childhood so we have All right. paul kenneth bernardo he was born on august 27 1964 and um he was born to his parents um marilyn eastman and kenneth bernardo so um uh, kenneth like m- sorry marilyn eastman was adopted into a stable home so that's the okay. mom she was a stable home her dad was a lawyer in toronto and her mom was named elizabeth so she seemed to be to have had a really normal happy yeah. childhood in life and then nice. she yeah and then she then met kenneth bernardo who she got married to later on so kenneth he was born to uh, an italian immigrant and an english woman hence why the name bernardo but i'm gonna say bernardo so i don't switch mm. accents and his father was really abusive, you know, and he yeah. actually took after his father, you know, um, mm. after he met Marilyn and Marita, he became really abusive towards her and the children. To let you know what kind of person Kenneth Bernardo was, he was um, charged with child molestation in 1975 okay. after he fondled a girl, a little girl. Oh. And he oh, also no. sexually abused his own daughter. Oh, my God. So we're talking about really bad people yes. right now, you know? Uh, so it's okay. kind of crazy how everybody's taking after their own father as well. They're just learning behavior. Yeah, I think get, it's, yeah. like, internalized. Yeah, like, you just learn all of it and then repeat it, and it just it becomes worse from him. So mm-hmm. um, the household was really toxic and abusive, but we're fairly wealthy. They were a wealthy family, but it was just a really bad environment. The mom became really depressed. She became so depressed that she went to live into the home's basement. She just withdrew from family life, etc. So this okay. that already tells you how bad it was. Yeah. You know, 
the older children of, were affected, like, you know, the daughter and the son were affected by this abuse. Um, but Paul didn't seem to be affected that much. Actually, Paul wasn't even the biological father of Kenneth because the mom had a boyfriend. You know, she kind of had an affair with him and she became pregnant mm. and she had Paul. Kenneth wasn't too pressed about the affair. So he kind of like took Paul as his biological son. Okay, so oh, okay. he wasn't too pressed about it. So um, that's why his name is now Paul Kenneth Bernardo. But yeah, he actually grew up to be fairly a normal kid. You know, people actually really liked him. He was described as the boy that always smiles. He was well-educated, well-mannered, mm-hmm. well-spoken. Mm-hmm. He was uh, really nice. He actually went to kind of like, I don't want to say summer camp, but to a summer camp to help children with counseling and stuff like that. And children loved him. You know, he was a really nice person, but everything changed when he turned 16. So what yeah. happened when he was 16? Like, <laughs> Let me tell you. So basically, he had an argument with his mom or the family in general. And the mom told him, revealed to him, hey, Kenneth isn't your real father. And this just disgusted him. He started calling her a whore and a slob. Oh. And yeah, this kind of just torn up their relationship because I believe Paul already resented his father for being so abusive, but now he also mm-hmm. resents his mother for, you know, not telling him sooner maybe or just being a quote unquote whore. I don't know, mm. but that's that's that. So so wait, what was the argument about? Like, what were they arguing about? I'm not, that you I, came I didn't to find this? out. I, di- I didn't find, um, like, I even listened to a YouTube channel talking about this case, and even then, they didn't really mention what this argument was about. They just okay. said what happened during it, but that's that. So, for the education, he graduated from Sir Wilfred Lauren Colkite Institution. So, he was very much, uh, like, um, educated. He was mm-hmm. much educated, and um, he became an accountant, actually. So, during college during university he went to university in toronto scarborough and he developed really interesting sexual fantasies you know he became what we would describe as a sadomasochist oh okay so basically the type of people that like um hurting others right yeah, basically. So let me just briefly explain what it is for people that don't know. So sadomasochist, it consists of two words. So sadist and a masochist. So a, uh, a masochist is somebody that, fly, that finds pleasure in pain and degradation during sexual acts or in general. Mm-hmm. And it's really popular in BDSM. So, you know, whips, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. And apparently it can be healthy and empowering. I don't know about that, but I guess <laughs> I'm not sure, but of course you have people during the community in the community that kind of ruin it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And as for sadist, is somebody that acts aggressive and enjoys humiliate humiliating others for like self enhancement, and takes pleasure in controlling others and you know showing power over them. So that's basically what he liked to do. He was really he became abusive to his girlfriend, and you know that's the why that's why he left them. But he used to be quite charming before and popular among the ladies. People described him as really nice and caring. But then it just all changed. He became abusive. 
and controlling, etc. So this was just that's this was his own, okay? And um okay. I don't know what happened to Paul. This is what I call getting possessed. But um yeah, that's his life, I guess. So he actually started raping people. So he became what was known as the Scarborough rapist, which is where they used to live. He uh-huh. raped, he attacked about three women before he met Carla. He attacked a 21-year-old and 19-year-old and tried to rape. The last one was actually um, an attempted rape, but it didn't work out because she fought back and he, le- he fled the scene. He did beat her up though, so she was still, she's still very much a victim. So that's what happened. He was just really messed up, you know. And as for Carla's childhood, let's talk about her quickly. Um, her house wasn't as dysfunctional as Paul's, but it was still somewhat damaging for children. Okay, so she was born on May 4th, 1970, um, in uh, Port Credit, Ontario, Canada. And her family, her parents were Carol Homaka, who was a Czechoslovakian immigrant and was a traveling salesman. And he often got drunk and fought with their mother. And while this happened, um, the children would just comfort each other. And the mother was Dorothy Sager. And yeah, she was the mother and the wife of Carol. She was just okay. the wife, but the mother of the children. And she had siblings. <laughs> she had siblings. Siblings' um, name was Laurie and Tammy. She was the oldest of the three. So, and Tammy was the youngest, and Lori was the middle child. Okay. So, that's that. So, um, Carla's interest is that she loved drawing and animals, but the bit where it says that she loved animals is kind of questionable. Okay, why? <laughs> because... What's happening now? <laughs> because once, she liked playing really risky games, I guess, so she threw her friend's hamster out of the window. Oh, and- Okay, yeah. so I don't know if she loved wow. animals like that. No, <laughs> that's definitely not love. That is not I know. love. I don't know what happened then, but yeah, it died. So yeah, she was actually good in school, and she was like she was liked by teachers, and she was known to be bossy by like by her peers. Okay. So I kind of I don't know what to think about that, but you know when the teacher's pet kind of gets cocky, you know, like the teacher told me to do this, you know, so oh, I kind of expected yeah. to be like that. Especially if the teachers like you. Ugh, you know? Don't like these people. Exactly. You always have one of those in every single class. Every class. Right. Yeah. But she, um, as for books, she started, she really liked reading Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. I didn't know about these books or this series of books. But it's basically about, the Hardy Boys was basically about these two brothers who just go and solve crime around. Same thing for... Um, Nancy Drew, I think. And with those books, she just became obsessed with crime. Okay. okay. So yeah. um, I don't know what, she, what they mean by obsessed with crime because maybe she was intrigued about, oh, who committed this crime? Let's solve it and whatnot. But when you read, mm-hmm. this did not age. This aged like milk. Okay. <laughs> but at the end of the story, you just feel disgusting with yourself. But she kind of became a little bit harsher with her friends. I don't know how, but she would play she would play pranks on them. And I don't really expect these pranks to be like, boo, I scared you. These were like I expect them to be a little bit more intense pranks, if you know if you know what I mean. Oh, okay. So in high school she didn't seem to have much interest of what people thought about herself. 
she was bold mm-hmm. and she didn't really hesitate to like mingle with the opposite sex you know she she had no problem like messing around with boys she actually dated a guy called Doug and they experienced drugs together and they even had sex and okay. um she told her friends that it was quite intense you know because it involved whips and handcuffs and blah 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 but then you ask him and he said it was regular it was regular okay. sex there was nothing like that so it seemed that she had a fascination with stuff like that you know quite violent um sex you know mm-hmm. so she um was fascinated with stuff with like scenarios and situations involving that and she even tried attempted to cut herself i'm not sure how but she attempted to and she became also an occult interested in occultism and she called her spirits with her friends apparently so yeah that's that okay. she was that yeah. kid yeah you know she also her parents her mom i think mentioned that uh, once she got to high school her changing uh, her dressing changed you know she started like um dressing like with more baggy and dark clothes when before she was more girly but now she changed it's okay if you research any of this um make sure you have a good coping system yeah you know it's intense especially if you see videos or pictures of this it's graphic Mm -hmm. you know keep keep your distance from this and stuff like that but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed um today's podcast and Mm -hmm. um, you look forward to episode two so of that's course. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. But yeah, so Paul and Carla met in 1987 in October and had sex on the first encounter. They met at a convention and they just liked each other from there. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they mm. um, actually related on this sadomasochist sexual desires, you know they related and connected over that and Hamolka I mean Carla was willing to like act submissive to Bernardo mm-hmm. so she was willingly doing whatever he said and remember she was 17 and he was 23 so I don't know about you this might be some kind of grooming because he was so much older uh he she, like he was very much another and she wasn't and I think this one doesn't have much noise around it because the age of consent was 14 at the time. Okay. I'm not sure about now, but that's well, what it was. Okay, yeah, let's just live in that time. Yeah. So I actually have a quote from what Carla said about Paul. I think this was uh, when they had an interview after they got caught. She said, when I first saw Paul, I know it sounds naive, but I know right, but I knew right then that I was going to marry him. He was so beautiful, but it was more, but it was more than that, you know. He was a musician, a composer. He had um, these passions and dreams about becoming a filmmaker. filmmaker. He had a great job. He was smart. He was living the life I always dreamed of, she said about him. So I don't know if I can call this love, but she seemed to be obsessed with him, I'd say. No, I, I don't want to say that they like that they were in love because oh, I, I can't, I can't call this love at all. But yeah, and unlike other girls that Paul dated before, she actually encouraged his um, saddest sexual behaviors. And apparently, apparently, mm-hmm. um, 
Paul asked her and said what he thought, what she thought if he was a rapist. And she said, and apparently she said, and I quote, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. No. So she she very much encouraged his act as the Scarborough rapist because even during the relationship, Paul would go on to rape other eight women. Okay, so... Yeah. It, it was really... it was, This relationship, I don't even know. It was, it was a horrible... I don't even know how to say this, but he would go ahead and rape another eight women and another few that were attempted. So did, like, Carla know about this, all of... Yeah, yeah, this was really casual. You know, because even I read these quotes, and in one of those quotes, it was Paul coming back home and then being like, hey, babe, and then Carla responding, where have you been? And then he casually responds with, I just raped the girl. So it's, it was really the norm in the relationship, really casual. Like, it was like nothing, basically. So um, the police wasn't really catching on on these of rapes. Course, they never catch on. <laughs> but they kind of were, but like, it was, this was the late 90s. And also, I don't want to put all the blame on the, on the police because they had about 130 suspects, as well mm. as DNA samples. And, you know, back then, DNA sampling and it was just a really slow process, you know? Yeah. But let me tell you what happened. One of the girls, one of the one of his victims, actually, she gave the police a detailed description of his face, right? And they drew it out and it looked mm-hmm. like him. Mm-hmm. So close people that were to close friends of Paul recognized them. And one of them actually came and spoke out. His name was Alice, Alex. Mm-hmm. And he told them about Paul and everything. But the police described him to have, like, awkward phrasing and spoke in a weird way. Okay. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. they brought Paul into questioning. And he was released a day later. Oh. <laughs> so. Why? Wait, why? Because he was well-educated, well-mannered, and well-spoken. And he was far more believable than Alex with a strange way of speaking. Of course. This was just, I read this and I was like, wait, what? Only because he spoke, I don't even know what they meant by strange way of speaking. Was English his first language? Did he stutter? Or was he just nervous or something? Oh, you can, they're going to have to explain that one to me because what? And he also like willingly gave his like DNA sample, I believe. So... I think maybe the police thought, oh, but he would, if he was guilty, he wouldn't have given the DNA sample. But they released him. And I really wish they didn't because what happens afterwards just becomes more and more worse. So, so basically, um, um, Carla and uh, Paul start living with Carla's parents for a bit because i believe they want to save money before getting their own place and that's when you know Carla's family just they love him you know they're like they're like paul was like the son they never had you know oh yeah and i'm not really sure about the relationship that paul had with the you know Carla's younger sister tammy but yeah. it seemed from i've heard that tammy looked up to him like an older brother or something like that but oh. other sources said other sources said that Paul flirted quite a bit with Tammy, and she was fifteen years old when this was happening. Fifteen. Oh, 
okay? So, uh, mind you, a full-grown adult flirting with a 15-year-old. And also, apparently, he once took her out for, like, to buy beers at the party. Um, to buy beers for a party. And he told uh, Carla that they actually got drunk and then made out. Oh, no. So, so I'm like, Carla, what are you doing? Because she was the whole time on um, Paul's side. Okay, let me tell you why this happened, okay? Because Paul had an obsession with uh, taking somebody's virginity. But Carla, when she got into a relationship with him, she wasn't a virgin. So that was the only thing that she couldn't give him. And she felt bad for it. Okay? So she decided... What was it? Had decided. I think it was Paul's idea, but Carla went with it. Um, you know, he was really obsessed with Tammy for some reason. He would kind of like peep at her and sneak into a room while she was sleeping and masturbate while she was sleeping. And Carla would like help him do this stuff, you know. So actually, one day they decided that it would be a great idea mm-hmm. for Carla to give. Um, Paul, Tammy's virginity. What? And yeah, this was this was a literal sacrifice of your own family member to a boyfriend who abuses you. Did so they, this, so wait, this was all non-consensual. Um, this was all non-consensual. I'm gonna tell you how they did it. So Carla, she worked at the pet like a. I'm gonna say pet shop or a pest. No, she was a vet, or like a visit, vet, like a like a vet place or something like that. So she um, stole chemicals from them, such as um, Valium and Holothane. So Holothane is used for to maintain anesthesia, and Valium is a tranquilizer. So it kind of acted as a sleeping pills. Um, so one day, one night actually, you know, the whole family was having a bit of a dinner. They were having a little bit of fun and everything, and we had the part that was videotaping every videotaping everything. So this was December the thirtieth, the thirtieth. So this was near Christmas. It was around Christmas. Everybody had that kind of like Christmas vibe and happiness, you know. Mm-hmm. But this happiness will will be destroyed in in a little bit. Okay, so Carla decided to spike Tammy's spaghetti with the tranquilizer or the sleeping pills. And um, she started seeing double. She started messing up her words. But nobody really, you know, nobody really thought about it too much, you know. She just needs an up, maybe, for people thought. So um, after the celebrations and the family went to sleep, Tammy stayed up at night. She wanted to watch a movie with Paul and Carla. When she mm-hmm. passed out, that's when Paul and Carla decided to go through with their plan. So Carla had a towel of halothane over Tammy's face. And Paul went on to rape Tammy multiple times in various ways. And then Paul asked Carla to commit sexual acts over her own unconscious sister's body. And she refused at first, but Paul was really persistent and she gave in and did it. And this was being videotaped on the same camera the videotaping, the happy moments a few moments later, a few moments before, sorry. So 
After all this whole situation, um, Tammy actually began to vomit and choke because of the chemicals that was used on her. So mm-hmm. they called, they basically put everything back in order, I guess, dressed and everything, and then they called the paramedics to come and check out if she was okay. Unfortunately, they, weren't, they wasn't able to bring her back. She passed away. Oh, and no. she passed away because of everything that happened. And she had, like, chemical burns, like, on her face. And um, I think the excuse was that they were trying to, like, resuscitate her or, or help her or something. I don't know what kind of excuse they were get, that they gave, but this was mm-hmm. ruled as an accidental death. Mm. And they practically got away with it. So this was just messed up you know um and Carla didn't seem to actually regret any of this because she was really insensitive and she actually got angry at her dad for like mourning so much you know let me tell you what she did what she said to her friend and I quote f my parents they they are being so stupid only thinking of themselves my father doesn't even want us to have the wedding anymore he thinks we should Go to a city hall. Just go to a city hall. Screw that. We're having a good time. If he wants to sit home miserable, he's welcome to. He hasn't. He hasn't worked except for a day since Tammy died. He's wallowing his own. He's wallowing in his own misery and effing me. I sound awful on paper, but I know you get what I mean. What I'm saying. Tammy also um always said last year that she wanted a forest green posh for her sixteenth uh, birthday. Now my dad is saying. I would have bought it for her if I'd known. That's cool. If he really felt that he was, he really felt that he'd be paying for my wedding because I could die tomorrow or next day or whatever. He's a liar. So she was angry at her dad because he was mourning and going through a hard time because you killed his daughter. So I don't know what she was angry about, but she seemed really passionate about this. Okay, she was like, she was trying to say that. You know, uh, Tammy asked for a green Porsche on her 16th birthday, and he was like, "Um, oh, I would have bought it for her if she if I had known." And she was just criticizing him on this. I'm like, "You caused this," and she was upset because the wedding got postponed. Mm. That's the thing she was like angry about. I don't understand these people, but that's but that's that. Um, they ended up they ended up getting married. But let me tell you what actually happened before the marriage. After they got married, let me tell you what actually happened. So um, they moved out to um, they moved down to their own place, okay. And okay. Since Carla was actually working as um, at kind of like a pet a pet place, she met somebody called Jane Doe, and she was a fifteen year old girl that she befriended at a place of work. So you know, um, Carla invited her over for like a girl like a girls' night out. They went out shopping and eating dining together and after that um Carla decided to invite her back home to their place and um when this happened Carla spiked her alcohol spiked um like Jane's alcohol and she passed out when she fell unconscious she called Paul and said that the his wedding gift is ready his, oh my gosh. His wedding gift was Jane, though. I can already see where this is going. Exactly. So she was passed out, and then when he came over, uh, 
Carla first. First, Carla raped Jane. She was the first one. While Paul was was um, videotaping it. Then Paul took his turn. And um, she then Paul took his turn. So this was kind of like a night of them torturing and just raping this girl while she was unconscious. Um, the morning after she woke up, not remembering anything that happened. And she was also sick and throwing up. But she thought that she was throwing up because of all the alcohol that she drove that she drank mm. but that wasn't the reason why so i guess she left apparently she did come back a few times to that because she still doesn't remember and she still sees carl as a friend and um mm. in about in 1992 around that time carl actually pressured her into having sex with paul and she got upset and left so that's something mm. So I actually feel really sorry for Jane because I don't know. It must be such a complicated feeling learning what happened to you while you were unconscious because you don't know. She doesn't know. She didn't remember. Mm -hmm. But then you get told this when they confess it and it's just, it must be a lot of feelings. This this must be. So they, they got married and whatnot. And then one day, then after Jane's, uh, situation that's when leslie mahati the first girl that i told you about came into place you know mm-hmm. um this man of her body her body was found her dismembered pieces of body encased in cement was found by the son and the father and after her they had one last victim who was Kristen french a 15 year old 15 old girl that was actually going home from school um um paul and carla were actually just driving around looking for another potential victim when they spotted her Carla approached her with the map and pretended that she needed like directions and assistance when mm-hmm. Kristen went close to her and then started looking at the map Paul then attacks from behind with a knife and um, they forced her into the car into the front seat of the car and then from behind Carla was mm-hmm. kind of like controlling her by pulling her hair to not do anything such as signaling to the next cars that she needs help and whatnot Mm -hmm. so when they go back to the place for the next three days they videotaped themselves torturing raping and sodomizing Kristen. so this was just really tragic three days for her they forced her to drink a large amount of alcohol and she was murdered on the 19th on the 19th of April, 1992. So the abduction abduction happened on 16th of April, 1992. Mm-hmm. So actually, within 24 hours of her abduction, the police have started looking for her because her school wasn't that far from home. So her parents would just, you know, be expecting her home in about 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But then when this when did this when this didn't happen, they of course informed the police. And this was seen as an abduction. Also, her shoe was found in the parking lot, which they parked. Uh, and yes, they started looking for her and everything. She was murdered and her body was found. Her nude body was found on April 30th, 1992 in a ditch. And I believe this ditch was like, how many kilometers? 18 kilometers away from their home, if I'm not. if I'm not, Or maybe that was Lake Gibson. Um so yeah that's Mm -hmm. that that's all the crimes and for the conviction okay Mm -hmm. (sighs) this is where it's gonna get frustrating okay so 
On 1st of September 1995, Paul Bernardo was convicted of numerous charges. This included first-degree murder, two aggravated sexual assault, and that was 25 years in prison. And he was registered as a dangerous offender, making it unlikely for him to be released. So that means that he's Mm. not going to come out. As for Carla, she was offered with a plea deal. Okay. Okay. What, what's that? So the plea deal was to was for her to testify against Paul Bernardo, and she will get twelve years in prison. And Which, if she didn't, um, if she did, then she would just I, I guess she would get more than that. But she okay. gave the testimony against Bernardo, but her testimony was really useless, you know. Because they found the tapes of mm. the rapes. So there was no need for her to say anything because it was just, it was visual. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to talk. We can see, everybody can see what, what happened. So yeah. she still gave this um, testimony and she was charged with, she was um, convicted 12 years in prison for manslaughter. For mm. manslaughter. When what? she's an active murderer, when she should have literally I just messed up because she gets released in July 4th 2005 actually what she is a free woman still alive she's free with a husband and three kids this is not this doesn't sit right with me it it, it isn't right it isn't right because this was even this was titled um deal with the devil because why would you give such a plea deal to such a woman? Okay. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, those tapes actually showed a completely different side of her. Because she, when she found out that she was going to be in trouble for all of this, she went to her uncle and told her uncle her version of the story. Oh, he forced me into doing all these things. And they lawyered up. And then she told the lawyers her side of the story. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which... She was basically portraying herself as the victim. But when the tapes came in, you could see that she was doing more than she was basically Being saying. Asked to, yeah. yeah, and she enjoyed it. Like, this woman was laughing and smiling through these tapes. She didn't look like she was forced. Mm-hmm. And she she was the perpetrator, if, if you ask me, because Jane Doe, she was the one that brought her in. Carlo, pa- um, Paolo did not say anything. Mm-hmm. He brought Jane Doe in. She brought Jane Doe in. So it's kind of like, it just really messed up. And honestly, they keep kind of like uh, blaming each other about the matters. You know, um, Paul actually got interviewed. Um, and she's, and he said that he was planning on leaving the people that she, that Carla kidnapped alive. Okay. But um, as for Leslie, her mask, not her mask, her blindfold was kind of like slipping off. And Carla got afraid that she would go to the police and report him. So she wanted to inject air bubbles in her bloodstream. That Why? that will lead that will lead to her death, basically. Oh, okay. So they keep just blaming each other, you know, like um Carla's saying, Oh, he strangled her. But then Paul is saying, Did I say Carlo? Oh my goodness. Bernardo said, Oh, he she killed him, like she killed her and whatnot. But then Carla's mm-hmm. saying, oh, Bernardo strangled her. Now, I'm not really sure who to believe, to be honest, but I feel like Carla is more capable to kill the victim than Bernardo. What do you mm-hmm. think? Well, I think that 
she had her own problems probably she had mental problems but like i think she did all of this out of like most of it maybe out of pleasure because yeah. like i don't think that she's that innocent she's not at all she's not at all but yeah. i think i don't know for some reason it tells some something tells me that carla killed killed them because if you look at Bernardo being this cabra play, this cabra, um rapist, he didn't kill mm-hmm. any of his victims. No. And they saw him, and then they described him to the police, and he still didn't kill any of them. But when Carla came in, they started that di- they started dying. Also, mm-hmm. for um for Leslie to be the like dismembered, it was Carla's idea, I believe. Mm-hmm. She was like, "Oh, it would be a good idea if like with dismembered and stuff like that, and encased the body." I believe. Most of it was an idea, but of course, that they, it was collective, okay? Mm-hmm. But one thing that is messed up that I hate so much is that why does she get to leave prison with a psychology degree or whatever, get married, and then have three kids and change her name? She Now she gets to live as if nothing happened. Mm-hmm. When, like, doesn't it haunt her? I hope it does. I hope that when she goes to sleep, she she keeps tanning because because of the things she did. But why does she like get to go home and live her life as as if anything happened? But the families of all her victims have to live with this trauma. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the victims saw the tapes, but if they did, they have to live with the trauma. We have to live with the um the memory of what she's done to her children, to the yeah. children. I don't I don't know why she gets to live. And, I mean, I mean, like, what about people. her children? Like, apparently, um, it's a happy family. Apparently, don't they know about her past or what? Of course they do. Well, well, the I believe the husband, and I believe the husband knows. But mm-hmm. since her face is like all over the internet, you can see her face on Facebook, not on Facebook. I mean, on YouTube and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Her children might know by now. Yeah. Wait, how old are they? Because like. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't do research on the children, but yeah. they they should know. Like she's pretty famous, and even her fake name was released, so we all know who she is. Mm. Like I think it was Lena or Lena or whatnot. But that's just that. Like honestly, this case kind of leaves me disgusted. Yeah, it's yeah. very disturbing. It's really disturbing. Yeah, and also I went on a site to learn a little bit more. It was called mascara and mada and i went in and i was reading really useful information but they included pictures mm. and um, i'm glad i didn't see pictures of any of the victim it was victims it was just carla on a bed you know handcuffed or bandaged and just mm. posing so it was just really um yeah if you want to search these things up just be warned okay Make sure you pray before you do any of this. <laughs> this is really a uh, really disturbing, really disgusting case. And let me tell you a few quotes, actually, that I found from them. Mm-hmm. This whole thing was like a joke to them, okay? Because, um, <clears throat> again, one time, so Bernardo, for some reason, I don't know, he was kind of like jokingly rapping, I guess. And this is what he raps. Right, and I quote, Yo, I'm the cracker 
I'm the cracker rapper, the lady attacker. The coppers think they know me, but the coppers, they can blow me. Because the scabber raper, that's just the tip of this capper. Caper oh. or capper. No, no, it's pronounced it. But it, it was a whole joke for them. In my, like, this is what it seemed like, like a joke to them. Mm. It's just, um, yeah. But he's still in prison. I'm not, I don't think he's ever going to be released. I think he's going to be. He shouldn't. Um, yeah, of course. He was listed. But I don't, I just hate it. Do you think he, like, for her to be only given 12 years, do you think that kind of involves the fact that she's a woman? Because um, I believe so. I don't think so. I mean, her family, they have connections and all that, didn't they? Um, not really. Like, her family, her family, I mean, her dad was a travel, I think, a traveling agent or something. Like, they, I never really read about um, their family having connections. He was just you know, a traveling salesman. That's it. Mm. But I think, because, you know, female offenders sometimes, or many times, um, people take it, they're more lenient to women mm. when it's sentencing. Oh, no, she's a woman. She can't be that bad. Oh, babe, no. Because um, I'm really salty about her being free right now. <laughs> I'm really salty. Because if you go YouTube, you can also find videos of her, like, in recent times, you know, talking and speaking to the interviews and whatnot. And um, mm-hmm. I hope the guilt eats her up. I hope the guilt eats her up because you don't get to be happy. I, guess... I hope the guilt eats her up and she repents because uh, she doesn't get to be happy. But that's, yeah. that's that's the story. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Well, this whole story is just a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, <laughs> Yeah, if you read books or detailed things about this case, it's going to be... Do not read it at night, first of all. Do not mm-hmm. research any of this at night. Because yeah, no, I made that mistake... And I think I'm going to do it again. I'm going to make the mistake again because I'm going to land. <laughs> but you, that you're listening, don't make the mistake of list of like reading or just researching any of this. Because it's going to be a whole lot of jump scares and a whole lot of crying. Because mm. it's these, these, we're talking about children, 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds we're talking about. So Yeah. Yeah, isn't, isn't, don't you find that weird that they were always like either 15, 14? Yeah, both of them were very much pedos. Mm. Very much. Yeah, and I believe that actually, fun fact, it's not so much, it's not so fun, but nobody, they didn't get convicted for Tammy's murder, I don't believe. Yeah, like, I don't think did they, they just convicted. ignore that or? I'm not sure, but I don't think they got convicted for that. And also, I really want to know how the family feels about Carla now. Yeah. Like, do you know the dad was just so mourning so much because he loved Tammy? Mm-hmm. I just wonder how much, how many intense feelings that he has against Carla. You know, but at the same time, it's she's still your daughter. So it must be really complicated. Yeah. And also the family of Leslie. You know, do you know how she missed the caffeine? They locked the doors and she couldn't come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. I wonder if how they felt like, oh, she yeah. was, we should have woken up. Mm hmm. You should have let her in or something like that. 